What's up, everybody? It's Joey Sauce, Colony Confidential. Mr. America is on a brownout right now, so he won't be joining us. We do have the pleasure, once again, having Jill Chapman from Insperity. We have your questions, and we are going to get to it. We reached out to our uh, listeners and had them send in some questions. Let me get to the first one, and it's, as a business owner, facing increasing costs of doing business, late-paying customers, looking for a deal, labor challenges. How do I communicate these operational nightmares to my customers and employees without sounding like a pity party? So this goes back to my days in public relations and some of the things that, that I learned when I, was, when I was studying PR. But I think as with anything, anytime you have some kind of bad news to share, my advice would be to debate your issue. And then what's the solution and the why? Because I think people will do all sorts of things if they just understand why they're having to go through this. So if, if we were talking about we've got to raise some prices or we've got to cut back on this or that for an employee, I think as long as you explain that whole rationale piece and how this new solution is going to alleviate the pain, I think people will do a, an awful lot. I have examples of when we've talked to companies and talked to their employees about issues that are going on with the company and asked the employees to help us to solve those problems. People will come up with some pretty creative things. And sometimes it's even things that would negatively impact them, but they understand what the issue is. They want to participate in solving the problem. And I think the more that we can just share the why behind any decision that we make, if we're making it without them, is important. But if we can include them in making those decisions, I think they'll go a lot further and people will be so much more understanding. And everybody knows it right now. It's a tough time for everybody. And so I think that there's plenty of people don't like it, but there's plenty of understanding. But they just have to understand why. One of our biggest pivots, and we're not 100% there yet, but is to be fully transparent to the team. So everybody knows what everybody makes, not necessarily you specifically, but if you're a technician at level A through level Z, right. then roughly this is the pay scale. If you're a customer service rep, then you know this is the pay scale, management, et cetera. These are the pay scales. And somebody said to me, I want to say eight years ago, I just want to go to sleep every night and not worry about anything or not worry about more than I have to. I just want to, what shoe's going to drop. So I'm putting it all on the table. And eventually we know we're going to thin out the herd, but we're going to attract people that understand. With COVID, just speaking to this question about the, the labor challenges. So now in our service industry, you obviously it's hard to get people. So you have the top three players in New York City, which are the big companies, offering anywhere between 2 and $3 above prevailing wage an hour. So people say it's impossible to compete with, but, and it, it's really because our mindset is different. So they're going to pay people. They're going to pay to take from other companies like mine and others, whatever, but their corporation, as soon as this changes and it's back to normal, they're going to, they're just going to fire all those people. So we're still competing. We readjusted our pay scales and done all of these things that normally happen in February. And we did them all now. And we did sit with every team member and say, listen, you normally don't get a raise until February, but because of what's going on, we adjusted the pay scales and 
your raises now, or you fall in a new bracket, so you're automatically bumped up. But I know what we've been preaching through the podcast is as a business owner, this is one of those times where your bottom line is taking a hit and you just have to eat it. You have to live with it and deal with it. You can try and raise your your prices, but no one's going to be able to tell you, hey, I got hit with a 27% raise on all my materials plus inflation. So your monthly cost is going to go from $60 to $80. It's very difficult to understand that, right? Because at the very least, you're going to shop whoever you are, including myself. I would probably shop too. Yeah. And maybe with a long, hard look at it, there's some other ways to change the business model that's not all pointed towards labor costs. But you guys have the other things. You've got the cost of materials and supplies. You've got the problems with the shipping that probably caused you to go up in your um, materials and supplies because it costs more to get them to you. So I know a lot of people in my industry and they've been throwing crazy money after people in my industry. And all I can tell these people who want to jump for that carrot, that extra money is don't get comfortable. Don't go buy a new car. Don't go buy a new house. Don't get something because when they're paying that kind of money, the expectations are also going to match that extra money. So if you were having to maybe service X number of, of homes in a day, maybe their expectations that you add two more each day. Can you do that? Can you sustain that? Right. These big numbers that get thrown out for wages, it's not sustainable over the long haul. I don't see how it would be. So if somebody's going to jump for that, they really need to think about it because I think the expectations are going to also be increased and, and they're not thinking along those lines. They're just seeing the extra dollars. Our, our selling point to the team was, this is what we can afford to give you. And the difference is that you are somebody that we care about that works for us. You're not just a number. And when it hits the fan, like COVID, we did not fire you. And that's not how we operate. And that's really our selling point is the culture and the family, the branding of the company. And we've, we are paying what normally was above average. Just right now, it's not because these large $2 billion companies are struggling and they can afford to take that hit way more than someone in my position. So right. I agree. Right. Nobody should get comfortable. I, I think it'll, it'll all change again. But you heard about the great resignation, right? So yes. like doing, we flipped the script and called it the great rehire. And so in taking that time just to, to stop and talk to your employees and and to share, here's where we're at, here's why we're, and here's what we're doing about it. I think that goes so far to get them to understand and to see things that might not have been so obvious to them about, yeah, think about when the COVID hit. We all had to stay home for a while, but you didn't lose your job. You didn't lose your benefits. And those things are powerful, but sometimes you just have to remind them, you know. With all this, we no longer have anyone that doesn't buy into the company culture, which is great. One person was with us for forever and never bought into the company culture, but was so good at their job, we kept them. Yeah, you just put up with a lot of stuff. And the last guy that just left, he just wasn't, he was a great tech. Everybody liked him, but he never came to a company event, never participated in anything, never did anything. One time, seven years ago, two other team members basically kidnapped him and brought him his words were they kidnapped me that's why i'm here and brought him to the company barbecue in the summer and jokingly while we're there i said if you really don't want to be here i'll send you home in an uber mm-hmm. and he was like would you really do that i said if you really want to leave you're not comfortable 100 percent. but i'd ask you to stay and see if you like it and 
he stayed. But that was it. That was the one event that he came to in seven years. And so, of course, that's how I spun it to the whole team. This is a good thing. Now, everybody that works here believes in the culture. And I think that you're going to see a change in a lot. And it's already happening. So that's good. good. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, right. You get rid of that one apple or two, you know, bad apples and how I just, you just watch it. It's all of a sudden like a cloud just lifted off of your organization. And it's so hard though to do. I know I, I've been in the same boat when I had my company, the person that I should have let go was the person who was bringing everybody else down. But it was the person who I felt knew my company the best, knew everything the best. I couldn't afford to live without her. Myself and director of operations do these quotes every month in a newsletter. And, and I found one from Nelson Mandela that I've been quoting probably far too much for the past two months, but it basically says everything seems impossible until it's done. And I couldn't have quoted it at a better time. It was two months after we put our COVID mandate in place, which now we look like geniuses because everybody in New York City has to have COVID vaccine to right. work basically. But it was, a rough, it was a rough 45 days and there was a ton of negativity, but we did it. So just an amazing quote. And I keep, you know, it's very difficult to constantly be positive, but somehow I'm pulling through. So another question is, I'm a senior leader at a pest control firm with multiple locations. My boss informed me that my team says I hover and micromanage when I'm doing my job, making myself available to them what are some signs that I am micromanaging? Yeah. So when you have high performing people and you're a micromanager, what it feels like to your hypos is like, I can't get my work done for telling you how I'm getting my work done. Like, just leave me alone and, and let me do things. And I do think, especially now that we're looking at some of our staff maybe being remote, being in this hybrid world. It's been so hard for so many people. I think we, we've talked about this before, but how when we all pivoted to trying to figure out a new way to work and people were coming to the office as much, and you had either the managers that were missing in action and just never checked in with their people. And then you had this group over here that couldn't understand how their people were working if they couldn't see them working. And it created this, this new set of, of managers. And maybe they were that way when we were all in the office, but we just didn't notice it as much. It was just way more noticeable when they're pinging you all the time. But I, I do know this. If you've been called that before, then you probably need to work on it because every stat I've ever seen, every survey I've ever seen says that when there's a lot of trust in the office, when there's a lot of um, psychological safety, that I know that I'm doing my job and I know I'm doing a good job, that, that people perform better. And so I think one of the signs is to, to really understand why you're checking in. Are you anxious? What, it, is it you or is it them? If you feel like, I just need to check in with this person. Think about that person's track record. Have they ever missed a deadline before? Have they ever not done what they were supposed to do on time? Have they ever produced horrible work? If that's the case, that they're always on time, they get their stuff done, check yourself. That's you being anxious about something. And and I, I don't think that you really need to be in that case. I think too, if you're focusing on the, the little things too much, you're going to get caught up on the unimportant details of the job. And I think, honestly, if you'll let it go and give it to your person, give them very clear expectations about what you expect from them, you'll be surprised at how well they'll do their job. And they may be more innovative or more creative about how to get it done 
than if you're holding your thumb over them and telling them every step that they need to take. And so I think that our people are looking to us to provide them the vision, right? The big picture about things. But in the minutiae of what they do every day, that's why we hire them. Your job as a manager is just to remove the obstacles so that they can get their job done. And then you let them go. Now, if they're a brand new employee, maybe you do have to check in a little bit more. You have to double check a couple of things. But once they've proved to you that they're capable, give them your expectations and let them go. That's probably one of the hardest things. I would say it took me like eight years to stop micromanaging. Yeah, that could be not because of anything that I already said, but maybe we think that we just know how to do it best. And so we have to let go of that too. I remember I used to agonize, this is so silly, but it was a newsletter that went out to, to my clients and I wanted to be the person to do the newsletter. But as the owner of the company, you got a million other things to do. Can't always write the newsletter. So I decided I was going to let it go and I was going to give it to a couple of employees to take care of. And okay, number one, I'm a journalism major. So things like this, I'm a grammar Nazi and, and little things that just would tweak me. But I had to, at some point, just let it go. Let it go. Yeah. It's going to be okay. It's not brain surgery. So let it go. I think that's the biggest thing. If the job gets done and it gets done right, does it really matter how they got there? If they didn't follow every step that you normally do or that I normally do? And sometimes the answer is yes, the steps do matter. And then that's it. Then you go in and you coach them and say, listen, right. you did a great job. You got this done. But you have to cross this T and dot that I. That's a whole nother story. That's It could be seen as micromanaging, but you do it once and then you let them go with it. Here's another question in, with remote working. A question about remote hires. If hiring a remote worker in a different state, do I pay minimum wage and follow labor rules from my business location or the employee's location? What are some pitfalls to adding a virtual worker? Yeah, you may be in a situation where you're doing a little bit of both, I think, from their state to your state. But yes, the laws of their state apply. So taxes, things like that, that all applies. Minimum wage would apply. And everything is so different from state to state, even jurisdiction to jurisdiction. You can have a situation in a state, a city like New York, yes. very different from the rest of the state. So yeah, you've got you've to know about that. So you've got to know about wage and hour requirements, all that sort of FLSA stuff, all the alphabet soup, but you need to know what's overtime because it could be, so that's something to think about. You need to know what their tax rates are and that sort of thing. Even, get this, so those poster requirements, how we all have to hang posters in our offices, which is crazy, right? Because they're not in your office, but you've got to have some sort of a setup even to comply with stuff like poster laws. So there's a lot to it when you're going to bring somebody else from the outside. You've got to think about, mm, Workers' comp. Workers' comp is going to be different from state to state. And so you've got to prepare for that. You've got to make sure that you're licensed to do business in that state. There are some states that would require that. So you, there's a lot to keep up with when you decide that you're going to go outside of your regular. I would say you could hire a company like Insperity and we could help you with all of that sort of thing. Would, but there's a lot of advantages, right, to hiring somebody. But there are some things that you've got to be, uh, you've got to be concerned about because those wage and hour things will contribute. And also in certain states, overtime is yeah. some overtime, the other favorite state other than New York City, but California, overtime is eight hours a day, okay. not 40 hours a week. But I, that poster requirement is so interesting because what do you do? Do you tell the person you're hiring, hey, listen, I'm going to send some posters to your house, put them up in your office? Right. Right. Or 
So we hired a remote person. Insperity handled it all for us. But now I'm thinking, could you, and we give them a company laptop, would putting that on the laptop suffice to post it? To lie to you about what all the nuances are. Maybe like on an intranet kind of site or something like that. If you had this community, this is where, this is our cafe now because we don't have one in the office. Maybe yeah. something like that would be, um, would be okay. But I would check before I... Yeah. No, I'm just thinking because we also do MS Teams and there's drive shared in yeah. there for the whole yeah. team. So something along those lines. But the post, it's funny because the workers' comp piece, we spoke to our insurance company about mm-hmm. hiring somebody in their house and how that works. And do you need the person's homeowner insurance on file? It gets crazy. Right. Like when you start going down that insurance road, it's a night. And so. then if you're thinking they slipped in their own house, well, is that workers' comp or is that they're running down the stairs and they slipped down the stairs because they were trying to get ready for a meeting? Is that my problem or is that, you know, it's crazy? I'm sure that we are going to see lawsuits and case law on it soon. Yeah. Yeah. Given the past almost two years. There's got to be right. somewhere, somewhere that thought it, someone thought of this that got hurt and just said, oh, I was working right. in my house. Right. So oh, it gets so many workers' comp stories. Yeah. You know, when it gets hurt at like three minutes after eight on a Monday morning, you're like, mm, pretty sure you got hurt playing basketball over the weekend that you're going to let me pay for it. So we've helped people join Insperity since we started doing all of this. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of those guys and girls still call me, and I'm like, you are an Insperity client now. Stop calling me. Call right. them. Call them. Right. Somebody called me the other day. What's your COVID policy? I'm like, have you been with Insperity since May? Yeah, yeah. What's your policy? I'm like, sure. bro, call them. This is what you have them for. They'll tell it to you over the phone. They'll then put it to you in writing. And then you could stamp your logo on it. Stop asking me these questions. You're with them already. And he's like, all right, fine. And I was like, listen, by the way, we're not even in the same state. So what my policy is could be like totally different. My, right. my policy is COVID policy on steroids. I'm in New York. Even if you were in Long Island, I would tell you, call them because you're going to have certain things that I don't have. So it was just funny because they're also not used to that level of being able to call someone. And right. so I'm like, dude, just call right. this person. That. I was like, why are you even call? Call the person, tell the person in the office that handles that's right and that's and we love that that's what we want to be to all of us. it's uh, it's great the communication with everything that you guys cover is what i think we were lacking with our other providers from the payroll company then the healthcare benefits then the hr person like communication wasn't as sound and, and I'm happy to hear. it's been great the sales salesperson i wouldn't even call him a salesperson it's been almost two two and a half years now and he's always in contact with us hey is everything good? What's going on? We use your office space for our annual meeting with the managers. So he called me and he was like, oh, I see you're going to go to the lower Manhattan space. I'm going to send breakfast or lunch for the team. Just super simple stuff. But whereas most other companies, the salesperson is gone right. once you're off their book. So it's not your typical company, which nope. is amazing. That's- so the other piece to that question was mm-hmm. typical pitfalls of adding a a virtual Um, worker. Yeah, there are some things that I think you have to think about because we're so used to that human interaction kind of thing. So that to me is a little bit of a a pitfall, especially if they're so far removed that you'll likely never see them or see them once a year or something like that. 
there's energy, I think, when I'm with other people in the same room and that sort of thing. So I think that could be one of the pitfalls to think about. And it's not for everybody, right? Like people may think that they can do this remotely, but it's not for everybody. And so people have to be really honest with themselves. And because some people work better when they're in physical workspace and with other people. And the other thing that I would also say, another pitfall could be, especially if it's your one person who's remote out of everybody else, is remembering that they're there, being able to to be inclusive and making sure that they feel a part of, of everything that's going on. I know for me, super frustrating if everybody else is in the room and I'm calling into a meeting and I'm the one remote person and everybody else is together. And then they're telling jokes and I can't hear. And I have this huge FOMO. I am I, the fear of missing out kind of thing is real to me. And just being mindful of that sort of thing. We actually created a rule on my team that if we all can't be in the room together, then nobody's in the room together. Even if everybody's in the building, they'll sit at their desk and, and zoom in because I think that levels the playing field a little bit. So you could have problems of not feeling like you're being fair to people or that you're showing some favoritism. Maybe you're bending over backwards for that one remote person and the people in your office feel a little slighted. There's also going to be some cost of sending out your equipment and, and that sort of thing. And if you want to bring them in for meetings or whatnots, then you've got the plane tickets and the hotel rooms and all that. So there may be some cost savings, but over time, it, it may not be the same if you have to pay for all those other ancillaries. Yeah, you're not paying for an office, but and then we talked about all those things that go along with the payroll and making sure your taxes and your workers come are all up to speed. So yeah, there's some pitfalls. There's some pluses too for it, but but there are some things that you need to be mindful of. I, I agree. And, and it's so brand new. So we've incurred some of those costs. We just had the one person. We flew her in for the holiday dinner. So there's that expense. Thankfully, not too expensive, but it's an expense. I've spoken to people that have hired remotely and they look to see what minimum wage was. And for us, we just said, this is our customer service specialist. They start at this rate of pay in the company and that's it. If you're in Omaha and the, the minimum wage is $9 an hour, you're going to be very happy with our starting pay. It is right. what it is. I think there's going to be a lot of conversation around that because during the COVID, when people moved on employers, people were living in New York and thought, why do I have to do this? Living in New York, paying New York rates and rents and all that sort of thing. And so they moved. And we used to have location-based pay, right? Like companies would pay this if you were in this market, that if you were in that market. And I think that's going to, maybe a, you're going to see people stop talking about that. And they're just going to say, here's what it is. I don't care where you live, but here's how much the customer service person makes or whatnot. But I think that also speaks to your level of transparency, too, and something that's good for employees um, because they know what to expect. They know that there's nothing, no extra favoritism or anything like that. This is what it is. And they trust. And if they want to make a, a change in their pay, they know what they need to do to get to the next part. It is very easy as a business owner to say, oh, my goodness, I'm going to target this state and city because minimum wage is $11 an hour. Forget it. There's certain places where it's still $9 an hour. It's $9 an hour and we're paying starting almost $10 more than that. Come on, let's go. Let's go to, let's offer them 13 in that market. But if one thing we know, everybody talks in a company. So just because the CSS is in the office in Brooklyn, they're doing the same job. 
So you just look, you really do look like a bad person, a bad company, just because you could get away with it. So the biggest pitfall for us, so our first remote person is a relative. And so it's been easy navigating, but there's questions that I, I would think to ask. I just thought of this while speaking with you. The first question should be, do you have a location in your home with a door that shuts that you can focus for eight hours a day, which not everybody does. So that would be a question. Now, prior to hiring somebody, are you going to fly out there and inspect their home? It's a lot. I know of people who have said, take your computer, set it up where you're going and then show us, show us, show us what, the space, uh, the space, you know? Yeah, that's a great idea too. And then the other piece is Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi and IT, we flew our IT company out there. We sent everything to the house. We had them set it up. She trained in our office with three screens. We sent three right. screens to a house. The only problem is where she lives. There's only one cable provider because I was going to get, I'm going to pay for one you use for work this way the rest of your house isn't. And she was like, yeah, we only have one. So now that we're actually living it, we're learning more stuff now. When it goes down, it truly is only remote access or us literally flying IT out there and paying for the flight, the hours on the flight. Yeah. It could get crazy. It is though. And I think a lot of these things are partially why that landscape isn't going to expand as everybody thinks. Right. Because we're not set up there yet. You, you're going to have some of those things that we just spoke about, work comp lawsuits and other things come into play where large corporations, their risk department are going to say, you know what, this remote working thing is just too risky. Put it in that box over there. Unless well, something it, changes. Yeah. You've got all sorts of things at play. As we start to figure out, okay, what's next? We keep bouncing back and forth, but I think once we figure out what's next, there's still a lot of office space around here. There's a lot of people who have a lot of money invested in their brick and mortar, and they're going to need that to pay off for them. And I think they can't just offload all of that infrastructure. So they're going to need to have people walk in the halls and, and, and people in there just to make it make sense for their businesses. So I think there's going to be all sorts of reasons why we start to bring people back uh, into the organization. I hope that what it looks like is when you need to be collaborative and that sort of thing, you get the energy from the other people, that's when you go in the office. But occasionally we get to work. So I think it's also going to be a creativity type thing too for us, even like me. And I think we might've spoken about this. We were looking to buy a new building knowing that we were going to outgrow where we are, but now we don't need to because now we know we can just have buddies. You work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, this week in office and your partner works the, the corresponding. So I'm in a strategic business development group. Some would call it a networking group, but it's a little bit more than that. It's, it's some of the top companies in New York City specific. And New York City real estate, class A, the creme de la creme, right. is bidding wars to buy. Like hundreds of millions of dollars to buy these top three floors or to get a 10-year lease on these floors in this building. So- we all know the money is still out there. Some people are waiting to see what happens. But when you see like this top space going and who it's going to, it's going to financial people, private equity people, and 
people that you might say in the know or that can right. almost see into the future or usually are very good at seeing into the future. It's a good sign, I think, that's all happening. But yeah, I think just off two of the things we just said, the whole working from home as your future is, is tough for everyone. Another thing, when we hired my sister, she was concerned about somebody showed her a law and it was... If you left New York City and kept the same job for your own reasons versus the, the job telling you, you still had to pay New York City taxes, right. which to me is a big F you to everybody. So she was concerned about that. And I said, no, we hired you. You lived there already. You'll be fine. I did speak with right. the HR people from Insperity and, and Laura was like, yeah, yeah, you read it correctly. But right, now right. somebody else moved that you might be dealing well, with. how do they, these cities are going to need their money. And I'm in Hawaii. So they're going to look for every dime that's on the ground that they can find. So whatever kind of rules and, and things that they can impose to try to recoup some of that money that they lost because they didn't have the travelers coming into the city and, and right. the tourist dollars and all that sort of thing. I did hear, and I don't even know where I read this, but I did read that, that the next wave will be companies buying that class A space and really dressing it up and putting all sorts of sexy, cool things in it to try to entice their, their their folks to come back to the office. That's the kind of the move to the class A space to make it hip, big girl dressed and go to work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's all that. There's So it's already started. People that we know that work for one of the larger banks in New York City during COVID implemented um, B sanctuaries at all of their locations to speak to environmentalists. So it seems to be working for Christmas this year, for the holidays, because they can't say Christmas. They harvested all their own honey, packaged it, and gave it to everybody at the company, which is tremendous. And, and it's specific to New York, obviously, but they created these areas where you could go up and view the bees. And all of this, like they created a whole thing around it. And the woman who spearheaded it is a friend She's a business associate, but we've become friends over years. And she was explaining to us this summer. And she was like, I didn't believe in it. Even though I'm running it, I didn't think it was going to have this much of an effect. She's like, but it is. And then I said, do you think part of that effect is that people are allowed to stop what they're doing for the day and just go up there and say they're up there and they don't have to take time off? She was like, maybe. <laughs> but, but you're right. People are doing stuff like that. And it's going to be interesting to see how that continues. I need to tell that to one of my coworkers is, but he called it be, uh, like a beekeeper. She has bees. Oh yeah. 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 Bee, beekeeping in general. So going all the way back to when that whole hive collapse was happening, it, it's still happening. It right. no longer is associated with pesticides, but you had a big push nationally for it. There is going to be a lot of, uh, enticing people to come back almost like destination type stuff. That's what I hear. Yeah. You could look at the Amazon or the Audibles, or the Googles. Maybe you're going to see more space like that where people want to come and be in the workspace. It is certainly going to be interesting. Yeah. A couple of things, because you can have all the cool buildings and all that stuff, but if you don't have good managers for your people, they're not going to stay no matter what. I think you're going to see a lot of conversation around EQ or emotional intelligence is really going to jump to the front of the line, I think. As we come out of this whole, how did we do it? And what did we do? And what did we do wrong? I think we've, we've figured out that there's a piece and it's that emotional intelligence for how to work with our folks.
we've been speaking about that probably like for three or four years, maybe longer. But the new mayor of New York City used the word emotional, the two words, emotional intelligence the other day. And I swear, it's like the news has never heard this word before. I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, come on. I was watching the news the other day. I was like, you really had to define this? It's a news right. outlet. They got to tell everybody. But at least don't pretend you never heard of it. News anchor. Because right. if you did, you got to you get off the team. Yeah. But I think that there's going to be a lot more spent in that arena coming up. I there think. has to be. There has to be. It is definitely the age of the, and we don't like this word, but it is the age of the employee. They are super right. empowered. They are, in, to a very good extent in charge of their own destiny whereas in the past maybe it was the employer and i think as employers our main job is to just figure out how to create that culture and environment where and this is a pipe dream where everyone's happy right where the majority of the people are happy majority of the time because you still do have to write people up and tell them when they're not doing the best and there's ways to do that that we've learned Mm-hmm. But we're not giving out, there's no participation trophies in life. So it's too bad your dad's not on the, the call right now because I could hear his conversation. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he loves this stuff. What's so funny, he believes in it to a certain extent, but he just can't deal. When we speak to him, I'm like, Dad, you did it. But you had to be, you had to be a performer. If you weren't a performer, right. you got the baby boomer. Right. You got right. you MF or whatever expletive, you got that. And if you right. were good, you got the good. But yeah. He, yeah, he's he's growing in his, in, at, at 76 years old still. Thank you. All right, Jill, is there anything else that you want to say before we jump I off? I think we covered everything. Just happy to be here. Yeah. Once again, everybody, it's Jill Chapman from Insperity. Make sure you go check out uh, their website. I can't say enough about them. Insperity.com. You could hit up the link on our website. Just check it out. And make sure that you tune in and listen to everything that we've said here. Thank you, Jill. Thank you.